The economy is getting back underway, and with it, the world of pro sports. Of course, football will be returning with their regular season in under a week. Basketball playoffs are still going strong. Same thing with, with hockey playoffs. And, of course, you can stay ahead of the curve with the unparalleled tools of two world-class news desks covering developments across finance, economics, technology, and sports. So all you have to do is subscribe to Bloomberg.com. And if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, for a limited time, you can receive a complimentary subscription to The Athletic. All you have to do is go to Bloomberg.com slash subscribe to sign up today. Again, if you subscribe to Bloomberg.com, if you're not an athletic subscriber, for a limited time, you can receive a complimentary subscription to The Athletic. Just go to Bloomberg.com slash subscribe to sign up today. Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Beat here. My name is Joe Biscaglia, and my co-host, as always, is Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic. And the Bills have gone through all of their practices leading up to cutdown day, which is tomorrow, Saturday, September 5th. We're recording this uh, just before 1 o'clock on Friday, September 4th. So if anything becomes a little bit obsolete, we apologize, but... That is the power of podcasting in itself. But the Bills have plenty of uh, interesting decisions to make, none of which are going to be, I don't think anyway, uh, going to be a huge surprise just because they're they're going to uh, put their best foot forward to trying to win this season. And uh, a lot of those roster spots are are spoken for. It's really the the back end stuff and the strategy behind it that um, leads this year to be such a compelling thing for a lot of people to track. And of course, Bills fans want to know who's going to make up that team. Everyone has their their own favorite younger players. Uh, the Reggie Gilliam hive is alive and well. Uh, the Ryan Bates hive is still kicking around. I'm sure there's a few others that I'm failing to mention, but it's it's always an interesting time of year for that one. So, Matthew Fairburn, when you look at this roster and you have like uh, you have certain questions about what is going to come down the hopper uh, from Brandon Bean and his staff, uh, then what what do, what comes to mind above all else in terms of your top question heading into cutdown day? You know, I would think. The, the first thing I noticed when I went through and tried to, you know, parse out the roster and figure out who was going to make it and who wouldn't, uh, it's, number one, tougher to do this year without nearly as much information as we've had in years past, not as many practices to watch, not as much of an offseason. Everything feels condensed, no preseason games. There's less to go on, which is, number one, you know, makes it tough for us makes it twice as hard for the guys who are actually, you know, picking a roster that they're trying to win games with. And I think this is also a tougher exercise for Brandon Bean and his staff this year because the team is a lot better. There's a lot of people that, you know, you're leaving off these 53-man roster projections that are pretty good players. And I think on both lines, that was a, a question for me, like, who do you pick? Who do you leave off? Uh, which young players get left out? 
And I think another one, and this one is probably, you know, wide receiver, of course, to me, I feel like we got a pretty good evaluation of the position and uh, all the logic and things that we've bounced back and forth. I could see it going a few different ways, but I can also, I'll be able to follow sort of the train of thought. It felt like a little bit of guesswork with linebacker. And I think that's because Mm -hmm. of what I mentioned, we didn't get as many practices, but we also didn't get preseason games. And, you know, you get to figure out a pecking order. You get to see, um, you know, who's making plays on special teams. There's things that stand out in those games that make it a little bit easier to guess the team. And I feel like when you're picking from those last few linebackers, they all maybe do a little bit something different, but also they're all a similar tier of player. It's hard to kind of separate out Tyrell Dodson, Andre Smith, who we didn't really get to see much of, Boshan Joseph, and um, Corey Thompson. And, you know, I went back and forth trying to figure out who it might be. The extra practice squad spots also adds a a wrinkle of, okay, this guy seems like a really good practice squad candidate. Maybe this guy wouldn't make it. But that, to me, was the position that kind of, you know, the toughest cuts were probably on the defensive line the offensive line and wide receiver in terms of thinking, man, this is a talented player that you're leaving off the roster, but the toughest pick uh, and, you know, one to predict for me was linebacker. Yeah. I am I'm right there with you because the Andre Smith point, they just traded for the guy. Uh, He had to go through, you know, including the day they traded for him. He had to sit out two days because of the, you know, traveling and then the onboarding process of getting tested and getting uh, negative tests back, multiple negative tests back. And he didn't get on the field until Thursday uh, for the team's final practice before cutdown day. And that practice was quite literally an hour long. So it's not really like they have a ton to go by with this. Now, Andre Smith is an interesting piece here because you you have to wonder okay why would you why would you trade for the guy if you weren't intending on keeping him i i absolutely line up with that theory with him to to be on there you know he has the history with heath farwell um in 2018 when farwell was the uh, assistant special teams coach uh, and i'm sure that uh, that certainly helped facilitate the trade but I think the other part of this is you you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily want to make that move unless you knew he probably had a pretty good shot of of making the team. However, the one thing I, I kind of thought of just in advance, and I'm this is probably an overthinking it part and won't happen part, but because the onboarding process is so difficult and it it takes a while, I will there there's a, a little part of, not a big part of me, a little part of me that wonders is uh, did they trade for Andre Smith so they can get him through the onboarding process, then cut him, and then wave him and bring him back on the practice squad so there wouldn't be a delay so he's available for them? Like I said, that's probably overthinking it with him, and I think the the likeliest scenario is that he ends up on the team. But then if, if he's on the team, it leads us to the sixth linebacker discussion. And if they even keep one, if they have the flexibility to do so, I I know you know Matthew and I both put out our our own um, 53 man roster projections this week, and Matt had um, Tyrell Dotson making the team. 
Uh, I was very close to having Tyrell Dotson making the team, but the what kept me away from doing so was having uh, the hamstring injury of Vernon Butler missing the last four practices. You know, bigger guy focuses on explosion. That's kind of kind of his shtick, and uh, you know, I think that roster spot could be better served with uh, with Vincent Taylor as opposed to Dotson. And on top of it all, like like you said, the the linebackers in that tier are all kind of lumped together, and and, and this is where we also get into to waiver wire theory. You know, linebacker is not like a super um, high demand position. And in a year where there's probably likely going to be fewer waiver claims, there's there's a better chance that you can sneak both Dodson and Vashawn Joseph onto the practice squad. And even if you lose out on one, so be it. You still have the other. So I, I, that's why it led me to five linebackers, but only because of the Vernon Butler injury. You know, I think the, the question about how easy it will be to get guys to pass through waivers I think is an interesting, you know, element to this weekend. I tend to think you're right that there won't be as many waiver claims, not as many of the sneaky ones or the the ones where you think, oh man, there's no way they can. Like Tyrell Dodson should get through waivers if if they need him to. Um, kind of any of those linebackers probably should. Teams. You mentioned the onboarding process. It takes a good five-ish days, um, you know, give or take, depending on travel, to get a guy into your building. It's a little bit of a pain in the neck. You don't have any tape on, like, Tyrell Dodson or Vashawn Joseph, you know, guys like that. I mean, you have it from last year, but that's a bit of guesswork. Mm -hmm. I almost feel like you're more likely... And this is why I kept Isaiah Hodgins on the roster. I'd feel more worried about, you know, if, if I'm the Bills, I'm more worried about somebody picking him up than even Isaiah McKenzie. Now, Isaiah McKenzie has some NFL film, and he's played well in the league. So it's a guy that teams might look at. But Hodgins is also a guy that teams freshly scouted, um, and he hasn't done really anything you know, other than practice for three weeks uh, between the time he was drafted and now. So, uh, sure, there's not any tape out there on him, but teams feel like they know him because they scouted him, and he was a pretty good prospect. So, um, while, yes, he didn't, you know, go out there and make big plays in the preseason the way uh, Robert Foster did a couple years ago that made it impossible to cut him, but, you know, you still feel like, if you're a team that is in the projection game and in the the you know waiver claim game, you're going to say, "All right, let's pull out the old draft board uh, from the spring right. and say, right. let's keep an eye on these guys in this tier. If any of these guys pop up, that's going to be our priority, as opposed to an Isaiah McKenzie or a Tyrell Dodson or, or somebody that, all right, that guy was in the league, uh, you know, didn't crack." Uh, you know, in Tyrell Dodson's case, didn't really crack the lineup. Uh, you know, McKenzie's a little bit of a different case, but I I think it'll vary team by team, but I'm interested in following it throughout the weekend, and I'm somewhat interested in following it with, with Bean, who is a guy that likes to, you know, make claims, tinker with the bottom of the roster. He's in a different 
phase of that now than he was a few years ago. You're not going to mm-hmm. make up your team with, uh, you know, five or six waiver claims, but the right move here or there, you're probably in somewhat of a better position to onboard some of those guys than other teams because you're not going to be right. claiming a guy and counting on him to, you know, play for you right away. So if you're only making a couple, you can be a little bit more selective and you can pick your spots and, you know, feel pretty good about it. But it's another, you know, I saw Greg Gabriel tweet out that he thinks a lot of teams will just kind of stick with what they've got because it is a little bit harder to know and mm-hmm. it, it takes longer to get guys up to speed. I mean, if you're the the Chiefs or the Texans and you claim a guy, you might not even have him for week one. So, you know, it is tough that way. And, and the same goes with the practice squad, right? Are you going to stick with the guys that you've got or are you going to be like, you know, try to get cute with it and, you know, onboard guys? And I don't know. It's going to be a weird year for the, you know, roster shuffling that, um, you know, sometimes uh, is too into the weeds for for certain fans. But um, I think a lot of Bills fans are always locked into that part of the roster. And the practice squad in particular is going to be cool this year with it being 16 guys. So uh, it, it's there's a lot that is going to happen in the next three days uh, that will, you know, it's going to be a crazy day if you're an agent or you're one of these players trying to, uh, you know, find spots for everybody everybody, and make sure you've got a, a seat at the table when it's all said and done. So it's, it's interesting with the practice squad thing that you just brought up because um, they, at minimum, will be able to keep 70 of their 81 players right. that so they have you're, right you're like now. Not, you're, you know, in one hand, it's like unfair. You know, this, when I wrote the story about being an undrafted guy this year, it was like, on one hand, it's an unfair year to be an undrafted guy or a bottom of the roster guy. But the point Patrick DeMarco was made, you know, made because he was one of the guys in the room fighting for this was like, not as many guys are completely going home as would have been the case in years past now that there's at least more room in there for guys in some capacity so yeah only we're doing these 53-man roster projections cutting all these guys or whatever really only about 10 guys aren't going to be back Mm -hmm. depending on waiver claims yeah so that leads me to another part of the discussion because it it, then you have to look in and this is something i i really researched um this week and just because the one thing we know about Brandon Bean is if there's a potential like loophole or advantage or something that that he can do to keep more people than uh, than uh, the 53 man limit suggests, then he's going to do it. Um, so when I when I set out for for my 53 man roster projection, you know, you really had to understand a few different newer rules that that are out there, and uh, I think there are three pretty interesting ones and one long-standing rule that uh that the bills um th- that the bills have exploited before but first we'll, we'll go with with the um the three newer rules that can help them through throughout uh 
a, a very unique year where it, it, it always isn't going to be a case like this. The first thing is that, uh, we, as we've mentioned, they can keep 16 players on their practice squad, and in the Bills' case, 17 with Christian Wade. And six of those players can be players with unlimited experience, which makes you wonder, okay, well, if they cut Trent Murphy and he doesn't get any sniffs, could they bring him back to the practice squad? But that's another topic for another day. So that's that's one thing to keep in mind. The second rule is that during the season, teams can call up a player from the practice squad twice without subjecting them to waiver claims. Now, as soon as the game is done, they revert back to the practice squad, so it's not like they can just be on indefinitely in that call-up. It's it's two games without being subjected to waivers, which is another interesting wrinkle. And then the is third two, rule... Uh, to clarify for the people, yeah. two players or two instances no two instances per player per player so, so really you so could, they could you they could, could go on all year around and right have some fun exactly with that one. exactly and then the third new rule is unique to 2020 or at least the nfl hopes and this was something that was put in on the COVID 19 side letter that was issued from the nfl and the nflpa and it has to do with injured reserve so IR guys in previous years, uh, they could they would only get, I think two. Uh, I think it was two last year, right? They they can only do two of those. Um, and now this year, they can bring back an unlimited number of players from injured reserve. And on top of that, because of the COVID nineteen year and the side letter of what what uh, the NFL is allowing. It is no longer an eight-week wait time if you put a guy on injured reserve. The eight weeks drops down to three, which makes these moves far less prohibitive. And it doesn't matter if it's for COVID, if you're on the reserve COVID list, or if it's a separate injury. It, it all kind of goes into the same bucket, which gives teams a massive advantage to tinker with their roster throughout the season if it's let's say it's a hamstring injury and it's a and it's a, usually a three-week thing just throw them on on ir bring them back and that way you have a presence of mind to know that you're not going to lose out on somebody so these are three very specific things or or, or four very specific new rules to 2020 that bean and the bills and for that matter the rest of the nfl should be looking to exploit uh by by how they construct their 53-man roster. So how does it impact the Bills? I think there are two pretty interesting spots that they can do this. Uh, the first is with the the injured reserve. The, the guy that comes to mind above all else is John Feliciano, right? They have to bring him to the 53-man roster initially if they want to uh, have him available to them this season. But as soon as he gets there, uh, then they can put him on, on injured reserve. He's already said he's targeting week four against Las Vegas. So that would that would qualify for the three-week minimum. And if he has to miss more time, he does. But that means they don't have to wave goodbye to him for half the year. It's just a, a three-week hiatus, and they still get to keep him and another player that they would have liked to keep. The other one is Patrick DeMarco, who has missed 13 straight practices with a neck injury. He wasn't in... Um, he, he wasn't out there at all on Thursday working out with athletic trainers like he has been in previous days. 
So I wonder if maybe that is a potential IR situation after they bring him to the 53-man roster. But the way that they can they can do this and float things for now, and I, I will stop being so long-winded after this point, I, I apologize, um, yeah, right. is they can... <laughs> they can... Uh, the the other rule in the NFL that exists with cutdown day is players with four at least four accrued seasons are not subjected to waivers. So the Bills u- utilized this last year with Kurt Coleman. They cut Kurt Coleman. It was kind of a surprise. They ended up keeping Jason Kroom on the initial fifty three man roster, but Kroom was injured, so they they uh, put Kroom on IR, which kept him for the majority of the season. And, uh, and and kept him available if they wanted to use the return designation on him. And, uh, and you know, after they put him on IR, they re-signed Kurt Coleman, gave him a nice little uh, signing bonus, and they went about their business. So the Bills have a couple of guys that can do that for them. Taiwan Jones is one who knows he has a spot on the team, but he doesn't have to be subjected to waivers. They could just they could just do they could just do the same thing with him. And the other one is Evan Bame, who, um, I think is an important piece to hang on to uh, for the start of the season because he's their best backup center option. And uh, he, his signing bonus was only $25,000. So it's not a huge dead cap hit. They can bring him back after they cut him, and then, and then uh, they're able to keep an additional player on their roster. So in reality, they can keep 55 players in this scenario just by doing those two little tinkers with Evan Bame and Taiwan Jones. All right, I'm done. Sorry. It was a lot, but I know, I know a lot to a lot. It's very nuanced and there's a lot that goes into it. And each point builds off the next. So I, I I had to be complete there. I think the offensive line like last year could be one of those spots where, you know, once again, they have plenty of pieces there and could even trade somebody if they wanted to. And, that's a rarity in the NFL. Uh, you don't have that a lot, but they also have a, you know, I, I think you're right that Evan Bame should stick around uh, in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got to make a decision on Brian Winters. Uh, his contract will probably um, make him safe. But yeah, it's, it's the, his around, base salary is fully guaranteed, so that that probably complicates. You things know, for shuffling them. around that that group, whether it's a trade or um, you know cutting somebody, that's going to be a, a tough group to trim down. And I, a spot where they could use some help, and maybe it's a way to make a trade or make a claim, whether it's getting rid of one of their defensive linemen or, or trading a receiver or trading an offensive lineman, they could use some help at cornerback. And I don't know if it's out there. I think it's probably short term. Um, Matt Barrows, our 49ers writer at The Athletic, did, um, you know, kind of polled all the beat writers on, you know, a positional glut and a positional need for each team. And it sounds like cornerback is a pretty common need uh, for a lot of teams. (laughs) I think I I don't know if it's like a lot of soft tissue injuries or, or what it is about you know, this particular season, usually it's a line. It seems like is the, uh, the, the over, you know, the, the, the position that people need a lot, a lot of teams need seems like cornerback is that this year. So maybe it's a little bit tougher for them to make that happen, but, um, it's, a 
there's some juggling that needs to go on. I, I think yeah. with a, an overabundance of options at certain positions and a need at a few others, I would say cornerback and they could look at, you know, we talk about these options at linebacker. They could look if the right one pops up. I know they already gave up a very important 2023 conditional pick for Andre Smith, but um, <laughs> I, I wonder what the condition is. Right. That was my, like, maybe it's, he oh, if he doesn't, roster, if, if he doesn't make the roster, if, then yeah. they're so friendly with Carolina. That could have been the condition. If he makes your roster, you give us a seven. If he doesn't, it's nothing. I don't know. Who knows? Um, yeah. Interesting. But, or if he plays X amount of snaps, whatever it may be. But I think running back is another spot if the right guy pops up. Um, but, you know, they've got three that they like mm-hmm. o- like enough, and they've got Taiwan Jones who plays special teams. But those are the two spots where I wonder, you know, if something were to pop up, maybe they would be interested. But uh, they do have some, you know, some gluts if you will. Uh, they've, mm-hmm. they've got, you know, quite a few O-linemen and um, finding a way to shuffle it around to keep more than, um, more than, you know, you would initially think on roster cutdown would be, would be nice because that's a spot you want to have some depth this year. Yeah, absolutely. I want to pick up on the cornerback point um, in just a minute, but before we do that, we need a message from our sponsors. So we'll be right back after this. This is the Athletic Football Show. I think every football season is a big challenge in one way or another. Introducing the Athletic Football Show, an all-new podcast with me, Robert Mays, and a team of world-class NFL writers and analysts. We'll feature expert guests and our plugged-in beat writers from around the league. What Patrick Mahomes did in the last nine minutes is just absurd. You can subscribe now to the Athletic Football Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast provider of your choice. And stay with us all season long as the Athletic brings you what matters most in today's NFL. Very much looking forward to uh, all of the episodes during the season of uh, Robert May's new The Athletic Football Show, and I'm sure there will be plenty of Bill's takes on there. And I know you uh, you quite appreciate uh, everything that uh, Robert May's does, uh, writing and, and audio-wise, so that, that, sh- that should be a fun one and a good one to listen to for fans. Yeah, I was listening the other day to... Um, his AFC East preview show with Bill Barnwell got the uh, got the band back together from the old Grantland uh, <laughs> NFL podcast. Uh, so little nostalgia there, and they it was a a really good conversation that that sparked some. Uh, you know, we talk so much about the Bills that it's hard to spark different things. Um, but you know, very smart conversation about the entire division. A lot of interesting things uh, to say about the Patriots and the Bills and how it will all shake out. So that's going to be a huge, huge addition to to the lineup here. Robert is um, perhaps the best NFL podcaster going at the moment and uh, already off to a fast start. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if you wanted to go check that out, be sure to do so, whether it's on the the uh the athletic app or uh, on any one of the uh the free avenues all right let's pick up back with that cornerback discussion i think what is so interesting about cornerback is when you have these three guys all of which that the bills have said they look to them as boundary cornerbacks that being josh norman levi wallace and dane jackson all three suffered hamstring injuries at 
one point or another. Now, we don't know the severity of Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson, and Josh Norman got back on the practice field both Wednesday and Thursday. So that looks promising for him for a potential return to uh, uh, to action and potentially even for week one. But if that doesn't happen or if one of Levi Wallace or Dane Jackson can't get back, that cornerback spot is probably one where you have to maybe thinking think about keeping another one. So uh, I think this discussion kind of blends together with the Vernon Butler hamstring injury as well at defensive tackle. Like you, you analyze those injuries and you and you set out, okay, who who could potentially make it to week one? Is Vernon Butler more likely to make it? Is Levi Wallace more likely or is Levi Wallace more likely to make it? Whoever is most likely to make it, I think that probably dictates who you end up keeping on the back end, whether it's Vincent Taylor, um, the defensive tackle, or the cornerback. Cam Lewis, who I think can play, at least he has in the past, uh, play both outside and inside and can provide some depth for you there. I don't think the Bills are going to want to go into a situation where they're hoping a cornerback they like uh, gets uh, gets put on waivers and then go through the onboarding process. And by the time the onboarding process is done, it's, it's basically game day at that point. So um, a very interesting decision and i'm sure bean is in constant communication with uh, the athletic training staff trying to figure out the individual situation for each one of those four guys that i mentioned and whether or not they're going to have to make a move at cornerback or keep someone like cam lewis like i said yeah that that's you know with so much uncertainty about the injuries you just wonder um you know what they're going to be able to do i, I think cam lewis was one of those surprise players for me during training camp this year. And that mm-hmm. is the one positive sign for them is that uh, he's coming along nicely. And they've also just look at the list of names that they've trotted out at cornerback uh, in Sean McDermott's three years. Um, it's a bit of a ragtag bunch, um, you know, across from Tredavious White. They've they've thrown some guys out there that, you know, they, they can get by. Um yeah, mm-hmm. if there's a spot where they can coach guys up and get by, it's that one. And I think once they get healthy, the depth chart is fine. Uh, it just so happens to be a little bit of bad timing with some of the injuries. They had an opt-out yeah. with EJ Gaines. Uh, they had a retirement um, with Ike Brown, who probably wasn't going to make the roster, but would have been an option, right? Otherwise, um, might have snuck on for a week um, or, or at least gotten onto the practice squad uh, had he stuck around. So... It's it's a bit of a bind to be in, um, but luckily the Jets don't have very many receivers at the moment. They're all injured, so it shouldn't be a huge problem in Week One. Yeah, I, I think it. I mean, it was somewhat encouraging to see Dane Jackson on the sideline going through a bit more work with the athletic training staff. And if I had to, you know, compare it to to what we've seen even this training camp and, and through these practices, it was closer to the work that Josh Norman was doing right before he returned from a hamstring injury. So I, I wonder if if he's close. And if he's close, then that gives them depth. And like you said, they have guys that can that can fill in. Like I, I just think back to week seventeen against the Jets. 
Taron Johnson played outside cornerback. Saran Neal played outside cornerback. And then Dean Marlowe, who's going to be kept as a safety uh, in that game, played at nickel. So they have options if even if they don't uh, have both Wallace and Dane Jackson. But if they don't have all of Norman Wallace and Dane Jackson, I think that's the part where you could probably see them hanging on to Cam Lewis. So it's it. I mean, these soft tissue injuries are just a a total headache for these teams because if it's some uh, you know an average hamstring injury, it's a three week thing, and that's kind of the timeline that that we've seen go with with Josh Norman, where he suffered it pretty pretty early into camp, had to sit out a bunch, and now he seems like he's starting to get back into the swing of things. They're also you know based on how they've handled hamstring injuries in the past, they've also been pretty hesitant to get them back too early because of the risk of re-injury. Like I think back to Taron Johnson's hamstring injury last year, same thing with Devin Singletary, how it's like, oh, it looks like they're doing more practice than then game day comes along and they're inactive. So it, it it's just, it all, it's it's totally dependent upon what that training staff says. And I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure Bean is on the phone constantly with those guys. Yeah, you're, especially with everything you know, the, the shortened camp and the lack of practice and everything else. Uh, the NFLPA did a ton of research on how much these types of injuries went up during the lockout season. Uh, that one was even different because guys had access to gyms during the off season. Uh, but even things like ACLs and different things like that can increase um, when you're trying to ramp up as quickly as teams had to ramp up for this season. And I think you're also probably subjecting yourself to other injuries, not just re-injuring the hamstring, um, which is obviously a concern if you have that injury, but then re-injuring other uh, or injuring other parts of your body because you're favoring that hamstring and not playing at full speed. So it is not the position that you want to have those injuries at. uh, And Mm -hmm. certainly you want to take it slow so that it's a one to three week problem uh for your team uh depth chart wise rather than one that lasts the entire season because you're constantly shuffling guys in and out and i do think they have some of the pieces to make it happen it would be kind of cool to see saran neal play outside cornerback uh, something he did yeah, a I, lot in college i like that fit there and he was really good at it in college um obviously played at Jacksonville State and not um you know Georgia or something but he was good at it in college he's big and he doesn't have to be a you know sticky man to man cover guy um he can hit they like corners that can hit um you know mm-hmm. and they can they're so good at scheming to cover up the deficiencies in their defense and you know it's such a unit and they, they work so well together, particularly the secondary that when there's a guy that needs a little extra help or, or, you know, a certain matchup that could hurt them, they find other ways to make it. So it's not going to be a constant problem throughout the day. And like I said, it's not like the jets have anybody on the outside at the moment uh, that's healthy and that strikes Mm -hmm. fear into them. So if it's a one week problem, um, something that they can, they can get by now when they have to go down to Miami and face Ryan Fitzpatrick. You, you got to be careful. That guy will carve you up. 
<laughs> yeah, I I quite liked how Saran Neal played at boundary cornerback against the Jets last year. I think I think uh, he's got a lot of versatility to him. He, he, it, honestly, he just might wind up being one of those guys that is just can do a lot of different things, but a master of none of them, except for special teams. Probably that's that's the way his career is looking, unless he takes. A, a massive leap forward this year but he can get you by and that's really all the bills need i mean neil he's got those long arms that that they like out of their boundary cornerbacks and uh as long as he stays within the scheme and doesn't like get out of his his zone then it, he he should be relatively fine there will be some some lapses of course because once you go from your uh, your second or third best boundary cornerback, or maybe even in this case fourth, if uh, if Dane Jackson can't go as well, then uh, then you're getting down to your fifth boundary corner, and it's like, okay, well, you're, you're gonna you're gonna expect some things, but I also know the Bills are going to be fine with with game planning, and you know they they have done a fine job of of hiding their weaknesses uh, with with the way that they call their defenses, so uh, maybe. Maybe not ideal, but they can they can get through it. And I think we've talked about this a bunch. If there's one position group that the Bills will be fine with, no matter what they have there, it's going to be the secondary because they have those two safeties. They have Tredavious White. They're good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's that's the main takeaway. They know how to – they certainly know how to coach that position. They certainly know how to scheme that part of the defense. And – that's where once I, I do think once they're healthy, it's a pretty good depth chart there. Uh, I don't think it's a problem mm-hmm. spot for them. Uh, I just think I agree. Um, certainly with with some of the injuries, and hey, maybe it means Cam Lewis gets a, a little bit of a an extended look, um, you know, and gets a, a shot or, at playing. Or maybe they use one of their call ups on Cam Lewis for that right. first week. Sneak him out of the practice squad and then he can, you know, yep. jump up and play for you and and get some Yeah. That that probably makes the most sense. And he's I think a pretty good player. I think he's, you know, certainly made uh made some strides and uh I think a guy that that they like quite a bit uh because they've, you mm-hmm. know, you can tell when they start putting more on a guy's plate, um, you know, that that they trust mm-hmm. him and that they know uh, and that's a guy that I think can play a little bit inside, a little bit outside, um, probably better suited inside. But you need – that's probably more of a depth concern than than outside in some ways because while Taron Johnson is healthy, we know that that's not likely to be the case for 16 games. And it takes mm-hmm. away a little bit of the flexibility in your defense when you have to – yes, you can play with the Buffalo nickel and have Dean Marlowe or Saran Neal in there, but that isn't – you know, you don't have the flexibility when you don't have uh, Taron Johnson to play, you know, different types of coverages. So uh, that might mm-hmm. be as much of a concern as anything. Yeah. All right. We've got some time before this this uh, podcast becomes completely obsolete when <laughs> cuts come through. So we've got time for uh, maybe one more thing each um, that, that we're looking to for this specific roster cutdown day. And I'll, I'll start with something we mentioned just passing in passing a little bit earlier in the show. You know, I think one of the the major differences from when I did the the 53 man roster projection uh, halfway through training camp um, and to today is I just didn't feel right 
about leaving Isaiah McKenzie off of it. And because th- there's one distinct reason for that because of how versatile he is and how much of a chess piece he can be for Brian Dable. I mean, last year we saw them line him up at Z receiver. He lined up in the slot. Um, they used him on jet sweeps last year. Teams were always aware when he was on the field to and to be cognizant of when he goes into motion. And sometimes it it took the, the defense out of their spots that they wanted to be pre-snap. Uh, I just look at him. And then when you have the advantage of being able to carry 48 rather than 46 players from your active roster to game day, I, I just think that's a tremendous advantage for for Brian Dable to try and put out there. Um, maybe if it's even five to ten snaps per game, it puts that's five to ten potential times where uh, a team or, or a defense goes, whoa, what are they doing here? And that, that could be the difference in a game, quite honestly. So I had Isaiah McKenzie cracking the final roster. They, they can use him a little bit of everywhere. And he seems like he could become, you know, a not important but important piece all the same, if that makes sense. what What's on your mind with this roster? Yeah, you know, Isaiah McKenzie's such an interesting player. He, he's, he's clearly somebody that they trust, a, a guy, you know, with the energy that they like. And they put the ball in his hands a lot. And so, you mm-hmm. know, they— I can't really wrap my head around them cutting Isaiah Hodgins, and that's where I went back and forth. Yeah, uh, same. You know, with Isaiah McKenzie, but Isaiah McKenzie can do so much that you know if they keep seven receivers and one of them is Isaiah McKenzie, you almost don't feel like they're keeping seven receivers because he's a bit of a do everything type of player. That's where mm-hmm. you know the other thing that I'm curious about, and it's one that is going to be. You know, it's the same question everybody around the league is asking is, what do you do at at quarterback? Do you keep three? Do you keep two? Um, Davis Webb probably makes it onto the practice squad, right? Like, why wouldn't he? But you never know. Mm -hmm. Same with Jake Fromm. You could probably keep both of those guys down there if you wanted. Uh, But, you know, do do you... I think you would want Davis Webb, a guy that knows the offense really well, and I think could probably come in and give you... 90 to 95 percent of what Matt Barkley gives you I don't think there's that big of a gap between those two guys and what they bring to the table Uh, I think I I think there's a sizable gap between those two and Jake Fromm uh, in term just with if you threw Jake Fromm into a game a week from Sunday it probably wouldn't look great and yeah. I think not that uh, Davis Webb would be appointment viewing, but it would he'd be a lot better. <laughs> um, so I, I just think Davis Webb needs to be in the building in some capacity because you just don't know what happens if I think you probably feel better now in terms of with, with all the the virus stuff, but you don't want to lull yourself into a false sense of security with with that and all it takes is one positive test uh legit positive test or even a false positive test as we've seen Mm -hmm. to throw your whole depth chart out of whack and all of a sudden you are turning to that third guy or turning to somebody off the street so you need to have a third one in the building maybe even a fourth one um and i you know lean towards keeping davis webb because you don't want to chance it 
Um, I know he hasn't put much on tape, so it's not somebody that teams would likely be clamoring for. Mm-hmm. But he does have the pedigree of being a third-round pick, and he, right, perfect. You know, point. so he's not a you know guy that while he doesn't have a lot of tape out there, he has the pedigree of being a third-round pick and doesn't have the tape out there. That's kind of the point. Like he doesn't have the tape <laughs> out there. He doesn't have the lousy tape out mm-hmm. there. He's not gone mm-hmm. out there and you know soiled himself so he's still you know a guy that you know people might be a little bit intrigued by and when quarterbacks are a little bit more valuable um somebody might snag him so i don't know that's probably that's how you know you've reached uh peak roster cut down over analysis when you're wondering whether somebody's gonna (laughs) steal davis webb (laughs) that's a that's an excellent point um i think I, i think everything you said is right and He's also the the type of quarterback the Bills gravitate toward the the taller, bigger armed guys. Um, he's been in the the Brian Dables playbook for about a year now, and like you said, there's there's a sizable gap between Webb and Jake Fromm. Fromm just has not looked good. Plus, he has baggage, and to me, that just leads me to go, okay, well, if they keep three, I I would be uh, very much uh, on thinking that Davis Webb would be the guy as well. So, uh, so yeah, certainly plenty of interesting little side conversations when it comes to this roster. And I'm sure that uh, once, once we actually know what happened, we'll, uh, we'll be breaking it down nonstop. And by the way, the season is almost here, everybody. Like it, it starts in under a week, and the Bills will be playing uh, on Sunday, September 13th uh, at home against the New York Jets. So quite honestly, if you have been on the fence about jumping into a subscription over at The Athletic, do yourself a favor because right now if you go to theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat, you get the 40% off discount of the entire year. And that is a better deal than what you'll find on any one of the links to our store to any story that you click on it's better obviously better than the seven day free trial if you go to the athletic.com slash the buffalo beat you can choose the annual plan and all you have to do is pay the 36 dollars. you get all of your content for the year all of your bills content all of your sabers content uh if let's say you're a big boston celtics fan we've got great writers that cover them in, in, in the throes of uh, a pretty fantastic series with the Toronto Raptors right now. Or if if you like the Premier League, you can jump right into that. NHL, any one of those teams, we've we've got a reporter that is d- doing in-depth analysis, features, everything like that. So if you go to theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat uh, and choose the annual plan, you can get your yearly subscription for just 36 bucks. That, friends, is a steal. All right. Uh, Matthew Fairburn, any fond words of farewell for our listeners before we greet them again early next week? I do not. I will just be nervously awaiting the fate of Davis Webb for the next 72 hours <laughs> or 48, however many. Really, yes. for the rest of time, yes, I... Uh, I will be worrying about it. <laughs> he's He's got like the total prototypical third string quarterback vibe to him too like the the total look to him he's got the name for it it's just it's just the total third string quarterback you wonder if in six years we'll be talking about 
you know, people around the league history will be talking about him the way people talk about Blaine Gabbert. He is in that mold. <laughs> Blaine Gabbert is 30 years old now and still in the league. How are you? How are you going to keep working him in the conversation once he once he's he's retired? That's what I, I want feel to. like. That'll be even easier. I feel like that's how it all started. <laughs> I was comparing things to young Blaine Gabbard. He turns thirty one in a in a month, in a few days. Thirty one and still employed after everything he did. Unbelievable. That that should be yeah. the message to anybody listening to this who's awaiting their roster fate. Um, which I assume is dozens and dozens of NFL players listening to this show. <laughs> it, don't give up on the dream because somehow that guy is still employed. Gainfully. Well well employed. Well paid. Backing up Tom Brady. He's a Tom Brady COVID test away from starting for a high-profile loaded offense. The NFL dream personified. Lane Gabbert. Wow. All right. That'll do it for us. Uh, we will be back early next week to go over all of the different cuts. And then next week, guess what, everybody? Our show returns to two episodes per week. So you get plenty of us. And uh, of course, you'll you'll have uh, our, our show that previews the Jets game. And then post game after all is said and done, once the Bills and Jets play their game, then uh, Matthew and I will break it all down for you and hand out some awards along the way. So, for Matthew Fairber, my name is Joe Pascalia. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Buffalo Beat, and we will talk to you early next week. See you then.